becomes like a fleeting memory. Whatever you grab just turns to dust. Like eye contact with a stranger, stranger out of the is a dream that you to make real. Passing over the songs, glimmer, glimmer of the ship you see. Hey everybody, welcome back. Hey guys, we're here, ready for another uh, episode of the Shores of Ignorance. Very excited. Yes, I feel lively today. Yeah, you sound like, you sound like lively. Skipping my step and uh, <laughs> other things that you say other about things. being lively. Yeah. I don't know what it is. Yeah. Um, I think it's just, it was a beautiful day and I got, I got some exercise in, got some vitamin D, worked in the yard a bit. It's amazing how that'll affect your mood. Mm. Yeah. It's like, uh, did you watch the Joe Rogan about the lady was talking about vitamin D and stuff and, uh, health? I don't know if I heard it on his show, but I definitely have heard a lot about vitamin D being really good and, and, uh, UV specifically, uh, Apparently, the coronavirus cannot withstand ultraviolet light. So, like, mm-hmm. your chances of, of, of getting it are, like, ne- next to nothing outside. Hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's cool. I like that. <laughs> yeah. So, I'm just staying outside as much as possible. But you probably... It, it's, I, I couldn't watch the whole thing because I was, I was just kind of tired of watching COVID stuff mm-hmm. <laughs> and health things. Yeah. So I didn't watch the whole thing, but ours, ours was really interesting. We'll, we'll put it in the show notes and if you're, if anybody's interested, but nice. Yeah. Last yeah. week we unintentionally had a like completely Corona themed conversation. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, uh, let's, let's not do that this time. There's a lot we can say, but I just don't think it's necessary. Matt, we never know where we're going to go, dude. So it's like, it's like to, to say that almost like draws us right into it. Right into it. You know, it. Like, I know. It's, it's let's tempting. Let's not do that and COVID. I was even consciously, <laughs> when I said uh, Corona and UV, I was like, oh no, now that I said it, we're going to go down that uh, road. Yeah. But let me take us back out of it. Yeah, um, there's other things happening. Yeah, totally. <laughs> well, you posted something to our Instagram this morning uh, that I've been kind of just sitting with all day that oh. I think also ties into so, to uh, some of the things we, we wanted to talk about. Yeah. Um, it's kind of a poem you wrote. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what I told you earlier. Yeah. <laughs> now I've noticed like, like Matt does a really good job of really making succinct thoughts, uh, especially on, on the, on the podcast. And so I was really thinking about that and, and when I was, I, I kind of journal and uh, stuff in the morning. And so I was trying to like kind of bring all my thoughts into a more of a succinct manner. And so I kind of ended up writing a poem. Like it wasn't necessarily, I was just condensing, but then it just started sounding poetic. <laughs> yeah, it really did. So it was, it was kind of fun. It was, I it loved was interesting. It. Well, and it was amazing. <clears throat> I'm going to ask you to read it if you don't mind. Okay. It, yeah, it's, it's right here. It, I think it, what I thought was really cool about it is how well it encapsulated a couple of different ideas that you've been talking about and we've been talking Mm. about. And that's kind of what's amazing about art in general is Mm. it, it can, it can encode multiple ideas in a really simple way Mm -hmm. so that you don't have to fully articulate them. You don't even have to articulate them succinctly. You just, Mm. they kind of point to it um, in an amazing way. And that's kind of what I got from, uh, from your poem. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, will you read it? Yeah, yeah, totally. 
Um, yeah. So, all right. Po- poetic voice now. Um, <laughs> 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 uh, the message spoken, that which is received, are they the same? Do we hear only what we anticipated or expected? Distortion in the one speaking and the one receiving, yet we desire understanding, question mark. Conversation and communication, endless yet wonderful, unless to deceive. What do you desire? I thought it was an interesting way that you uh, wrapped that up. What do you desire? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I really well, liked uh, the, the part, do we hear only what we anticipated or expected? Yeah. That, that is so often, that is so often true. You hear more what you want to hear than you hear what is being spoken. And it's interesting because like, what do you desire? Like it's, it's kind of, I'm, I'm asking that question to myself, you know, it's like, it's like, I really do. It's, it's something that I've, I've, over the months and maybe years, but specifically the months, like, like my desire to understand something is becoming more and more apparent to me. And then there's areas mm. like, do I really, do I really want to know? Mm. You know, that's because I feel like there's a, there's a part of like not wanting to know keeps you from that, keeps you from knowing something, you know, obviously I'm not talking exhaustively, but knowing to a degree that it kind of just sits in your soul or in your, in your mind that, that is weighty, you know? Um, do you feel like there are things that you realize you don't want to know and you need to break through that and correct that? Well, it's, it's sort of like if, if, if I get to a point where it's like you run into a wall and, and part of it, there's this question that comes in is like, do I really want to know? Uh, I think I mentioned this, uh, sometime this last week, weekend or something like that about, um, it's like, I kind of see that in order to really grow or understand something, whether emotionally or, or intellectually, it's like, there's a certain amount, there's a certain process that we have to go through, um, to get there, which is very, it's almost like a breaking, like you need to be broken a bit to kind of hit that next understanding or emotional, uh, understanding of something and not to get into what Allison was, was talking to you and I about this weekend. But, uh, I mean, I was just blown away with her. Like, I was just like, talk about like that, that, I think that was that, that put me in a spot of like, wow, it's like, when I walked away from that conversation, I was like, she wants to know, Hmm. you know, and that over, over anything that would be, um, like she, if she looked like a fool or in a, put in a bad light or Hmm. whatever. Yeah. It's, there was that, I kind of walked away with that sense of like, that she really wanted to know. And that truth or truth kind of came to her, you know, does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. Without, I mean, it's her story. We won't repeat it here, but yeah, just, she told us a story, um, that I think that the theme was being able to gain new perspective on something and reframe it in a way that Mm -hmm. redeemed it. Mm -hmm. And, And the alternative was she was afraid that she was going to have to give it up. Yeah. 
and, and this thing got redeemed through um, the ability to see something for what it is rather than what she thought it was. Yeah. <clears throat> that may be a little bit cryptic, but hopefully that gives us enough scaffold to, to talk a little bit about it. Um, yeah. But I was amazed by that too, the, 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 because there are things that you definitely don't want to know, you know, if, mm-hmm. if I don't know that I have a great example of the idea, but you know, if something's not going right in your life and you sometimes don't want to look at it fully because it might not be going right because you are dark and malevolent and are, have some really big things that you need to mm. look at that you don't want to look at. So, you know, you might just adopt a position of, I don't want to know why things are going this way. It's better just to sort of suffer it and deal with it. Yeah. But I think her, me. go ahead. No, no, no. You got it. Well, <laughs> I, I loved the way that she approached to your point, the way that she approached it and said, I'm willing to look at this. I'm willing to suffer potential shame. I'm willing to suffer potential embarrassment in order Mm -hmm. to look at it fully to figure out what it might actually be. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 it's so amazing when you see examples of, and or experience that, you know, firsthand you're just sort of like, it's almost kind of, there's a little bit of conviction that comes, (laughs) that comes with it. Yeah. You're like, you're like, Oh fuck. What am I uh, not like really coming to terms with? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Cause like one, one for me that I, I still don't, I can't, I can't, I am definitely more comfortable with ideas and concepts. And I think that's how I approach most things, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and don't really have as like, like how I feel about that or how I engage with it in that, in that place just seems to me, seems really messy. You know, like I don't really, if I can frame it, then I can sort of, then I can emotionally engage it, you know? Hmm. But I think Allison's actually the opposite. Like she kind of like experiences it emotionally and then she frames it, you know? Right. Where I like, <laughs> I like frame it and then engage and then engage it emotionally. You know? <laughs> that is true. I, there's an aspect of that. I've noticed that I have noticed that about you, that there are times when you won't engage it until it's fully framed. And sometimes someone will ask you to engage it and you're like, mm, not ready yet. It still needs <laughs> formation. It can't, it can't withstand my, my emotional engagement yet. Well, I, I mean, like it just, it, to me it just makes so much sense. And then, hmm. I, you know, I use the word sense, not like it, it just, it just feels right. You know? Yeah. Uh, but like, it's, it's like, I don't know how to engage something that I don't understand right? or have like a grasp of, and it doesn't have to be a complete grasp. Like I'm okay with like, like an incomplete or something that is not understandable. But if I have no frame of reference for it, it's like, I don't, I don't know how to engage that. Except for maybe in extreme situations, you know, yeah, where it, where it floods you or something like that, you know. I'm trying to figure out where I fit into the that that difference. You're kind of in between, I'd say. Yeah, you kind of you kind of a a, a balance there, hmm. or right, that's how I experience you. Hmm. Maybe, maybe more, maybe more towards my side. <laughs> yeah, probably, probably. <laughs> I mean, I but maybe maybe you look like you're you're so much more balanced because I'm so far the other way. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, how does this um, 
you had before the podcast started to bring up some really interesting ideas about um, information theory. And last episode we talked about signal versus noise, but how does that, how do you see that in your experience of Allison telling that story and how it affected you? Mm -hmm. Um, Do you you see some, some segues there? Well, let me see if I can kind of go 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 at it this direction. I, I, I think I might see some segues into that. Um, you know, so so you and I are really interested in like the idea of strong manning somebody's argument. Like, if you disagree with somebody, can you mm-hmm. restate their argument in a way that they would say, "Yes, that is what I said." Steel manning, steel man. Oh yeah, steel manning. Yeah. yeah. Uh, still manning somebody's argument. And so I, I just find that there's a lot of noise that is that is getting in the way of communication. So you have a message that's being communicated through a channel, which is voice or, or through writing or whatever it might be to another person. And they receive this message and decode it. And sometimes when they decode it, they decode it through some sort of lens that has nothing to do or very tangentially with what the person was actually communicated. Or they, they read certain signs and signals as, uh, as tropes of a certain point of view, whether, you know, for example, like a Democratic or a uh, Republican viewpoint or something like that. And they'll, they'll, then they'll just put them into that category and not really listen to their argument, you know? Well, that's, that's what I heard in your, in your poem when you said, do you hear what is expected or anticipated or, yeah. or what is being spoken? Yeah. But it seems like <clears throat> there's, there's got to be some, some, some sort of balance there because we necessarily engage the world through a worldview. Mm-hmm. And, and there's this, this idea of a priori, essentially default settings that we kind of come into the world with. And then that's expanded Mm -hmm. upon, um, through nature and through nurture. And, um, so you, 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 you filter everything that is incoming into your brain through this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Suddenly we all have a worldview and it's like, you know, a lot of it is as you're growing up, uh, there's a certain amount of adopting your parents' worldview. And then you kind of challenge that Mm -hmm. and, you know, so there is that, and, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. You know, it's like sometimes people think of that as, as a bad thing, but it's like, it's okay to have a worldview, but there's, I think there's a certain amount of acknowledging. And I think that's where you're able to repeat back to somebody what they said in a way that they would agree with how you stated it, not just how you stated it, but even the tone in which you stated it. You know, someone can be very antagonistic or sarcastic or just downright rude or whatever about how they're restating what you just said. Right. And that that's not that's not correct. You know, it's like you're not you're not you're not really understanding the meaning of what they're saying. You're you're basically rephrasing it, but with a tone of sort of uh, uh, I don't know antagonism. You know. Well, this is sort of another way of dealing with the problem of, of signal noise in, you know, we were talking about one of the ways to deal with, 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 uh, the corruption of data when you transmit it over a wire is mm-hmm. to 
essentially write it down three times. So, yeah. you, so you've got, um, you've got multiple copies that you can compare and come up with a most likely right version of it. Mm-hmm. Another way to do it is, <clears throat> is to send the signal, you receive it, then you send back what you think it was. And then the source mm-hmm. says either yes or no. Mm-hmm. And this is essentially steel manning in conversation. Yeah. Like, let me tell you what I think you said mm-hmm. as specifically as possible. Yeah. And then you say, yes, that, that is what I said. That is what I, that is my point. So it's, uh, it's such a hard, it's such a hard concept. I, I don't know why so many things creep into our receiving messages from somebody, you know, their verbal, um, uh, or even, uh, you know, like, yeah, I mean, but that's the part that also made me think about too was like, if you think about the source message or the person who is communicating, you also have to understand that they don't really know fully what they are communicating. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think that's just, that's just a, uh, almost like a good faith type of way to approach conversation. If somebody's communicating to, with you and they're, they're, they're the, the the thought or the feeling is not fully formulated. And so there's a certain amount of good faith that you have to have when someone is engaging you in that way. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. In that case, it's uh, um, <clears throat> the person who's communicating the idea is dealing with their own signal to noise problem with the idea itself. Yeah. And they're totally. an intermediary. And so now that's a sort of a game of telephone and that requires uh, a lot of grace on the part of the recipient to mm-hmm. work through that. Um, well, so just talking about the idea of worldview and how you, how you, you know, you, you sort of have a couple of different problems to communicate clearly. And one is getting the message right in the first place. The other is the encoding of that message and transmission of the message. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I want to try to stay away from really cold terms here, but because I, I am thinking about a conversation. I am not thinking about yeah. transferring bits of data. Yeah, totally, totally. But there's an encoding of the message, um, which is ch- essentially choosing the words that you're going to use to describe it. Mm-hmm. And then the transmission, which is expressing that and speaking those words. And then there's the receiving and, and, and then the decoding. So communicating a feeling, for example, is really difficult. Mm -hmm. You can communicate words and describe it, but then that has to be re-expanded on the part of the recipient to empathize with the feeling, to experience the feeling in their own body. I mean, I think that's Mm -hmm. what empathy is, right? Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> um, I won't try to like dwell on Allison's story for too long, but it did seem mm-hmm. like this this decoding and, and so part of the decoding and expansion back into the original source from sort of the word or the communication. Um, part of the trouble there is the worldview, and you you make associations with things that you know or have felt before, and that colors mm-hmm. the reception of the of the idea. And I think for Allison in the story that she had told us, she would she had received an idea 
through a certain set of filters mm-hmm. and pre that and, and those filters had presuppositions on them. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And so what she understood of this idea was one thing, but then she was mm-hmm. able to over time and questioning and by wanting to know and wanting to test that essentially test the, vis- the validity of that message. She mm-hmm. was able to then go reevaluate the filters and say, if I change this perspective and this framework that I was using to decode Mm -hmm. that idea for, for really good and valid reasons, um, truthful reasons, not just manipulation reasons. Um, but that is a whole other thing we could talk about is, um, but, um, then, then I, the, the idea is decoded and expands into something that I feel differently about than I did before. And that, that was sort of the idea of redemption that Mm -hmm. I took away from it is, that idea was redeemed through the process of reevaluation. Yeah. Yeah. There's a certain amount of uh, vulnerability too, with that too is, is as we start to unpack these things that we believe, but we don't even know that we believe them. And we just kind of, we're, we're almost living these thoughts and ideas and emotions and feelings. And they're, they haven't really been, challenged you know uh and sometimes it's easier to to live with the things that you already know you know it's like i can kind of i can build a framework that i'm comfortable with and probably can probably can go pretty far and but there's a uh, there's some at a point where that where your framework starts to break down you know it's like like a three-year-old can't act like a three-year-old when they're 12 Mm -hmm. and but at some point like in our life we kind of tend to think once you hit your thirties and maybe forties that, that that's still not the case, you know, um, that you kind of almost go on autopilot in the way that you approach the world. And I think that's also maybe where the midlife crisis kind of comes in too, is, is depending on how much of an autopilot you're on in that framework, it starts to, it starts to break down because you haven't done, done the work, you know, to, challenge and um, grow through grow grow into that new and more deeper understanding of the things you might have accepted that were helpful at one time, you know, hmm. which are not now. Yeah. It does seem to take um, constant reevaluation of your framework, mm-hmm. which is another way of, of sort of recapitulating last week's idea of reevaluating matching the narrative to reality. Yeah, Um, totally. But it can be really dangerous if you don't question your own beliefs and then you get to a certain point in life. And I think the midlife crisis is a good example of that. Um, Something happens which tests your framework Mm. and you were able to go along until then with your framework at some level knowing that it may or may not be true or it may or may not be useful, Mm -hmm. but it's, it's stilting things up enough that you can get through life. And then all of a sudden something comes along that's big Mm -hmm. and it can cause, um, like a massive loss of self self identity because Mm -hmm. if it tests it and finds much of your framework to be wanting, then that all collapses. And what do you have? 
left of, of your ability to essentially decode the world or even decode mm-hmm. the conversations that you have with your friends and your family, the news, um, the world itself. For some reason, when you said that, <clears throat> the idea of specialist comes into mind. Like, uh, as I was telling you earlier, earlier um, this week about, like, it just is so profound that somebody like an Einstein, like, that came up with all these amazing and beautiful concepts, you know? Mm-hmm. You'd almost think that person would live a, <clears throat> a Buddha or Jesus or... Uh, you know, profound life, you know? And it's like, so I started thinking about like the difference between, you know, understanding and embodied knowledge, you know? Hmm. And and again, I mean, Einstein was pretty profound as far as like his impact on the world around us. But it's like, I just feel like it would, it would, it would, it, it seemed like there's something about that, that would, that would change the way that you interact with the world outside of just your intellectual uh, prowess or your intellectual feats, you know? Like what, it, it, what would it, change that? Well, just like, I mean, just, I mean, just coming up with concepts and ideas like special relativity, general relativity mm-hmm. equals MC square. You know, it's like, it's like you're touching on things that are so profound but at, but at the same time, it's like, what do you embody? And again, I, I don't want to get to his personal life and stuff like that. But yeah, I've never really read just, much about his what he was like as a person. But I do know anecdotally that most people who are profoundly gifted at something, yeah, are almost intolerable socially. Yeah, generally speaking, yeah, for right, sure. Right. That's that's kind of my that's that's I think that's kind of where I, what I was what I was getting at is like. But what is what is that? What is the disconnect there? It's almost like uh, like uh, that guy. There's a guy who's kind of <clears throat> we've been talking about, but uh, like it's it sounds like like most big earth shakers or whatever. There is this. There's a sort of disconnect between lived experience and sort of their. Uh, Uh, what do you call it? Their accomplishments, you know? Hmm. Yeah. I don't know what guy you were talking about. You seemed like you didn't want to re- mention his name. So, well, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I was thinking about Elon Musk yeah. in that sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I get the impression from, from Elon that, um, he has a hard time interacting with people because he has to only say like 10% of what he could say. Hmm. You know, maybe that's the reason he's so sort of, awkward in the way he talks. Yeah. Because if you were, you know, if he were to like give you access to, I mean, we have these conversations and I sort of give you access to the full contents of me and my brain mm-hmm. and you do the same and that there's an yeah. equal exchange there. But Elon Musk, the full contents of his brain, one, he couldn't encode and transmit them to me because I'm not mm-hmm. prepared. I don't have mm-hmm. the framework to understand the ideas. Yeah. Um, and two, he's probably thinking about things that not only would I not understand, but would, oh, what was, what was I going to say with that? Yeah. He's just, he's just dealing with, he's dealing with a higher amount of 
output than I'm willing that than many people are able to receive. Mm-hmm. So I wonder, you know, if you were to know him personally and he were to have a conversation with a um, man, I'd love to, I'd love to hear him on Eric Weinstein's podcast because I wonder how that might change the way he <laughs> talks. Uh huh. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah. There's definitely an output in translation too. I mean, there's, there's a, because it's like you, you end up speaking, you find a common language with whoever you are engaging with, you know, in a, in a, in a good conversation. So, um, you know, and like with, you know, you and Alice and I, we have like a history together that, you know, a lot of that language is already understood. So we can kind of jump into things a little bit further than if someone else were to jump in on that, you know, it's like, yeah, I love, I, that's a really amazing point. And, and, and part of the maturity of relationships over time is that things that are difficult to encode and, and communicate and then decode accurately and properly. Mm-hmm. Well, you work through that and then you sort of mm-hmm. come up with a symbol for that. Yeah. You know, and that symbol could be a phrase. It could be, a. um, just a quick reference to an idea um, or gesture even. or gesture or joke. Mm-hmm. A lot of information is encoded mm-hmm. in jokes. Um, and then all of a sudden you could just move past that quickly and you sort of start to create a zeitgeist within the, mm-hmm. uh, the confines of your conversations that you have with this, with a specific person or group of people. And so yeah. you can more readily and quickly discuss and access ideas accurately Mm -hmm. or even the ones that that are that are less uh, less approachable because you have a history that you can you can already infer what they're what they're getting into or at you know right it's like i find like with you it's like i can just riff a little bit and and there's a certain clarity that comes because you already know a lot of the history of my riffs. <laughs> right. You don't have to pause. Almost, you almost bring it into like, you bring it into clarity for me also. You know, yeah. You don't, you don't have to pause to clarify things as you're going and then lose the tempo of the riff and, and the ideas mm-hmm. that you were reaching for. Yeah. I yeah. mean, that's, that is one of the things that I've loved about this. We, uh, um, well about our relationship, but this podcast experience too has really mm-hmm. kept us engaged in an ongoing conversation. And, I've noticed the quality of these conversations in, improve, I think, mm. over the last yeah. six months especially. And, um, I mean, what a blessing that is. We, we got a, some, some, uh, a listener sent us some words uh, that, was, that were really awesome to hear. But mm. she had said, uh, you know, it's really rare that people have the opportunity to have conversations like the ones that you're having. <clears throat> mm-hmm. <clears throat> <clears throat> excuse me. And, um, and said, you know, sort of, there's only a couple people in my life that, that, that I've had that with. And the fact that y'all are doing this and sharing, it's really meaningful. And that, that meant a lot to me, but I'm feeling that as we're talking mm-hmm. about the mechanics of this and what enables us to have these conversations, I'm feeling really thankful for this in a, in a new way. Mm-hmm. Um, and thank you to the listener who sent that to us. That was really good to hear. Yeah, totally. No, it really was. That was really cool. So, so let's, 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 let's go another direction uh, with that same idea is when you're first getting to know somebody or have 
a little like some history and you're trying to communicate ideas mm-hmm. that you might have more formulated in one area and they have more formulated in another area. It's like there is sort of a disconnect because you don't have the shorthand to go to. It's right. like you kind of have to go back through the process of of almost revisiting some of the things in a new in a new way almost too. It's like uh you know, I just I just think of like even between like communicating with you know different people that have worked for me for different lengths of period of time is the anticipation of what I'm saying or how I'm saying it is a lot more uh, is a lot more readily accepted or confronting depending on how long somebody has worked for me, you know, like a new person would be like, what is that? They're like, there's no context for how we have done that over the last 14 years, you know, or the, or the growth of how that has, that has progressed over the last 14 years and how we've matured in certain areas. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I find that there's a certain, I guess, noise that, that enters into a conversation based on, um, yeah, based on that length of time of knowing somebody and context, you know, yeah. context is huge. And I think that's the hard part too, is like when I said in the, that poem was like, do we hear only what we anticipated or expected? And some of that's we have to do, like we have to anticipate, we have to expect. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's like, there's a certain amount of like, we, cause like we, we need to judge the words that are being the words, the gestures, <laughs> We, we need to judge those things as they're coming in, you know, but there's a difference between judging and anticipating and expecting these things versus like um, not allowing them to be expanded, you know. So I want to take that word anticipated because this is, this gotcha. is that, that one's hitting me at the moment. I mean, mm-hmm. if, if you're having a conversation with somebody and they're not anticipating what you're saying next, I think that mm-hmm. you would say, well, they're not a very good listener. Ah, yeah. Right? So, like, why do we mm-hmm. need their anticipation? I mean, if I'm trying to communicate an idea, wouldn't it sort of make more sense that who I'm communicating that to, makes it makes no difference. I can communicate mm-hmm. the idea just as clearly either way. But the anticipation of the other person indicates that I am engaged in an idea which is meaningful Mm -hmm. and that I am telling a story. I think it indicates that I'm telling a story because otherwise you wouldn't anticipate what's next. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like if you, if you anticipate, if you're anticipating what's next, it's because something which is something has happened already in a story, which makes you think this could go one of a couple of ways. And, and mm-hmm. I want to know what's next. Um, and so this got me thinking just then about this idea that <clears throat> I still don't know how to engage this thought, but the idea of what is true in the world is not something which can sort of just be written down in its totality or captured with a picture or description Mm -hmm. it is alive and Mm -hmm. it can only truth 
can only be expressed through story. Hmm. That's an incomplete connection, but it feels like there's something there. Oh, when you said that, it it made me think of like an engaged story. You know, it's like not just a uh, a stale, uh, written in stone story, Mm -hmm. but it's a story that is continually being engaged with. Like whenever, like so, you're 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 speaking to me about something, and I'm sort of anticipating where you're going with this, and then all of a sudden, when something kind of takes off in a different direction, I'm like, whoa. Yeah. What was that? You know, dealing with a thriller here. Yeah. (laughs) The thriller here. What's the genre? (laughs) But that's when the question comes in is like, okay, that was not what I expected. Mm -hmm. What do you, what do you mean by that? Where on the other side, it would be like sort of like, oh yeah, you fit in this category or, you know, I start to put you into something that is a lot more confining or box you in into something like, oh, you're acting like every other Democrat or you're acting like every other Republican I know or, you know, boomer. (laughs) In in which case, I've done a bad job telling the story I was trying to tell because I got myself boxed in based upon associations. And now Mm -hmm. it's like you've got to back out and try again. Yeah. Well, that's the other part too is like, I think it was earlier when you were saying something about, it, it made me think about when we make people dig their heels in. Mm-hmm. It seems like it seems like people don't really dig their heels in unless someone else makes them. And I think there's that might be a fault of character too. But like you know, so you know, say I believe this certain thing about a certain subject that's so vague, um, and you challenge me on it, but you challenge me in a way that's not doesn't allow me to change my opinion or view. It's like you either have you as the as the speaker you have two options or not just two options but two op- basically two options is to either dig your heels in and uh and continue to drive home the point or to which would be better as a listener to say okay well why do you see me that way you know and i mm-hmm. think that's i think that's a hard thing but as a listener trying not to make people dig their heels in and being more, Hey, this is what I understood when you said that. Is that, is that what you're, is that what you're saying? Or is all, are all people like that? You right. Know? Right. Well, I don't know. I think you're being a little bit too optimistic when you say people don't dig their heels in unless somebody makes them. I mean, yeah, there's definitely so. people who, who <laughs> will just instigate an argument mm-hmm out of the position of my heels are dug in on this. And the only place for me to go is, is towards somebody on it. Yeah. Um, well, I, I don't know. I, I, okay. So yes, but I, at the same time, I find that the more that I am reluctant to allow them to dig their heels in hmm. and to, and the, and to pin them down on the viewpoint that they are, that they are proposing. Yeah. I find that they're a lot more nimble in how they approach it it further, you know? Yeah. Like I, it's like kind of like not taking the bait, you know, it's like, like I've been, I, I believe these certain things and every time I voice these certain things, everybody always are a lot of people from another perspective always go after me. And mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm ready for, I'm ready for you to come at me. 
you know, I've got my guard up. I'm ready for you to challenge me. And I've got all the arguments laid out, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, but when you don't give them that, it's like, I feel like you, you end up actually entering into a conversation. Hmm. I, I, I mean, that takes so that what you're describing takes a lot of, of, of wisdom, I think mm-hmm. in order to see where those pitfalls are in order to understand the things that need to be either given or not given in order to enter a safe place where there's actually enough room to discuss the ideas at hand. Yeah. It's like, don't take the bait. Right. (laughs) I have a hard time with that. Sometimes you, you are a lot better at that than I am. Like you are able to diffuse. Diffuse is not the right word. Set people at ease. Mm-hmm. in the midst of potentially prickly top subject matter mm. in a way that amazes me. And I, I uh. would love to be better at that. Yeah. Well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and moving on <laughs> and moving on. I feel uncomfortable. <laughs> um, no, I definitely, I definitely see like that's a, um, Well, I mean, again, I mean, I think that's, you know, among friends, you see that sort of, maybe for lack of a better word, grace that you extend to somebody. You know, I'm trying to think, like, I mean, because like on the other side of that too, like, like I find that maybe there's certain areas where I need to be a little bit more maybe a little bit more confrontational. Okay. You know, Which, I, yeah, I think is the, is the dangerous uh, other side. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and being okay with sort of being wrong or, cause I, I definitely would say that's, that's kind of more of like where I, my pitfall on my side is, is, is that I sometimes give the benefit of the doubt to a fault uh, no, damn it. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> that just sounds so weird. Well, go ahead and express it. So at least we know what you're saying. <laughs> I haven't thought it out yet. Hold on. <laughs> the benefit of a doubt to, to a fault. I mean, that's a fair, that seems like a obvious enough statement, mm-hmm. not necessarily well, I, about you, but yeah. I mean, if you're trying to engage someone openly and part of that is giving the benefit of the doubt and mm-hmm. that can become I mean, there is an extent of that, which is faulty. Yeah. So, okay. You can stumble into that sometimes. Yeah. I don't know if that's me, but I'm getting a lot of feedback here. Oh, hmm. I'm not here. Um, yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's, I think that's, and I think, I think that's the part too, is, is the, uh, the going back to what we were speaking about at the beginning was like the, the emotional element you know, I, I find that really messy whenever you're discussing something with somebody that really feels strongly about something. And if I, if, if I match them in that, in that amount of emotion, I tend to believe that it will not be fruitful. And so uh, like not engaging in that way, there's also a limiting factor in that, in that space. 
That actually, I'm glad you returned to that concept because that actually helped me see that a little bit more clearly. If somebody's digging their heels in or, or sort of triggered by the conversation and, and, and collapsing into an ideological viewpoint mm-hmm. that's sort of rigid and immovable, um, <coughs> they are coming out of that idea or engaging it emotionally. Mm-hmm. And as you described earlier, if you take a position and say, I, I'm not going to engage this emotionally until I can set up the structure for the idea, the framework mm-hmm. for the idea in which we're going to engage it. Yeah. Um, well, I think that's probably really good because it, if you are to engage them emo- emotionally, then it is just sort of you versus them. And it's sort of like a, just like a, two rams headbutting each other. But yeah. if you can give them the space to help set up the structure, they can get their emotional emotional responses out during that process. Mm-hmm. Then they're they're no longer engaging it from a place of emotion and you can both start engaging it from a place of emotion but from an equal level of emotion. Mm. Well, I think that's probably that's exactly where I err though is that uh, to believe that you don't have the space to do that because you're, you know, being afraid to, of being misunderstood or mm-hmm. saying something that might not be exactly what you believe or think, you know. And when you when you see people like uh, that are more confrontational in a really negative way and express things in a way that are, you know, for lack of a better word, <laughs> triggering. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you know, it's like it, you just see like how that like infuriates people, you know, but, I, but, and then that's the thing I've, I've found that if it's like, if I don't react to that, I can actually, I can actually get to more of the core ideas of whatever that person is speaking. Hmm. You know, I, I learned that a lot in, at Metro when I, a, a coffee shop was like, I engaged with a lot of different people from a lot of different backgrounds and I found that if I didn't, if I didn't react to the way that the way that they were saying, or say even the, what they were saying, but more wanted to understand what they, how, where they were coming from, or what they were, what they meant, you know, it could be they were, they were saying something. It's because they were frustrated at an extreme view of something else, you right. know. But that can also be limiting in your own expression of that same sort, you know, that I think there's a healthy aspect in that. I think this is illustrating how important it is to pay attention to the way that someone is receiving Mm. the communication that you're giving them. Mm -hmm. Because if there is this difficulty, which we've described and, and I think taps into this, um, idea of information theory, um, but if there is indeed an encoding problem, so a word choice problem and then a transmission mm. problem and then a reception decoding problem, if I'm expressing something to you and you are reacting in a way that seems incommiserate with what, with the idea that <clears throat> I was trying to express, then either yeah. I didn't express it well or there was a problem in the process of 
of the communication. And so maybe rather than me respond to your response, instead, either restate or say, or try to explore why that idea might have gotten corrupted through through your receiving of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or it's like, I'm, I, this is, this is what I'm, this is what I'm hearing you say. You know, I think, I think that's what's so amazing right now is like, we're seeing some really extreme examples on our, on the political level, you know, both Democrats and Republicans being very extreme and not listening to the other side. And I'll bring up the, the Dan Crenshaw and Bill Maher, like they come from different perspectives, but there was a certain amount of respect between the two, you know, but you see Donald Trump in the media and it's like, there's no, like, well, this is the <laughs> there's, other no problem. It's like they like wanna, there's no understanding there. You know, they want to like purposefully really... mischaracterize and understand mm-hmm. or, and, and misunderstand. To, and he wants to, you know, put them in a box and, and shove yeah. it down the road. They're you know? playing the exact same game. <laughs> They're playing the exact same game. Exactly. <laughs> It's just frustrating. Yeah, it's really frustrating. Well, and it makes me think about, um, you know, you, you at the beginning talking about it, you know, is this something that I don't want to know? Yeah. <laughs> it seems like, <laughs> it seems like the whole game that they're playing is there's a lot of things I don't want to know and I'm not willing to look. So I'm just going to keep burning the fire of my stated position, mm-hmm. you know, so the media's position on Trump is Trump, Trump bad. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> Trump's position on the media is media bad, <laughs> you know? So rather than like look for any evidence of anything to the contrary, yeah, make sure that you, that everything that you see comes through the filter that makes it what you want it to be. Mm-hmm. which I think you can do. And it, it's, it's a, uh, it's neurotic. It's totally not what we need from our president and our media. Yeah. <laughs> but it's clearly possible. Yeah. <laughs> oh dude. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a, that's, I mean, it's very fascinating to watch from a, like a, like uh, from a detached perspective, but also really, on both the media and the president's side, it's really destructive in a lot of ways, you know? Well, it's definitely destructive. Yeah. Yeah. It is, it is interesting to watch kind of like a car wreck. (laughs) 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 But then it becomes really brutal and gruesome when you get into like an actual conversation with somebody mm-hmm. who is, is clearly taking one of those two sides and just sucking at the bottle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and I think what's so hard about that is when somebody engages me in a conversation politically for me to engage that conversation, it feels like it would take so much time to define the terms, Mm. define the symbols that we're going to use to communicate to make sure we understand what we mean when we say the words that we're saying, Mm -hmm. because when it comes to politics, every, every single word 
becomes so charged, so yeah. encoded with so many things. That it's like, mm-hmm. unless we take the time to define those terms, then there's really no, like nothing good is going to come from this. Unless you're yeah. like, you want to try to have a debate about an issue and change my mm-hmm. mind or me change your mind, which you know, it could be fun, but generally people aren't up for that. So, yeah. And like in a healthy, uh, uh, good faith type of our type of uh, conversation. Right. Right. Well, this kind of reminds me like, uh, uh, Charlie and I had coffee and we were talking about like how there's certain times like where, you know, most, most like healthy conversations and, and people that are having a good back and forth, it's usually like a 60, 40, you know, like, one person's listening 60% of the time, the other person's talking 40% of the time. And that can vary between the, the people, you know? Mm-hmm. And and then there's other times where you really need, and a lot of times I think this happens more in counseling, where it's like 80-20. Mm. Where like, no, actually you really need to be speaking 80%. Yeah. You know, it's like that's, you, 20% is not healthy in that perspective. And that in and and that relationship, that's really it's kind of the accepted norm. Like you know, you go into a counselor's office, and you know you're going to do eighty percent of the talking, and they're going to do twenty percent of the talking, or they're going to do eighty percent of the listening. You're going to do twenty percent, or yeah, whatever. Twenty percent listening, eighty percent talking. Yeah, I got yeah, you. Yeah, I got totally. you. yeah. So, I mean, that's a, a very fascinating uh, relationship. But then also among friends, it's like, you know, there's times where I'm just like, blah, <laughs> you, you do most listening. You know, it's like, right. or vice versa, you know, it, it's really understanding where the other person is and what they need. Um, but it seems like most conversations should, are most likely in the 60 40 area. Yeah, that makes sense. Unless you're talking over somebody, you're doing eighty percent of the talking and twenty percent of the. <laughs> I'm just, just thinking like, about friends of mine that I have that fall into the the <laughs> dominating, yeah. you know, and over talking and, and interrupting category, or or the uh, <laughs> or, or the just like non-responsive category. Yeah, <laughs> totally. But but again, I, I, just to characterize and generalize is that person lives in that either 80% or 20% 80% of the time, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's, and that's not, that's not good. It's like, you need to, you need to be able to have those, that variation of those, uh, of those moments, you know? Right. And, and again, I'm putting percentages on this, but it's, it's a lot more messy than that, but right. it does seem to, it does seem to make sense to me. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's interesting too, is like what kind of relationships you're in, you know, adding unnecessary noise to a relationship that is not, doesn't have the depth. Or maybe unnecessary noise is added to a relationship that there's not that, that depth, you know, so you, you, you go on a first date or something like that, you know, or, you know, when Alice and I first met, you know, it's, it's different from the conversations we're having now, 14 or how you better like, get it right. <laughs> 17, 18 years, almost 18 years. Wow. Gum. 
18 years. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's like, it's, it's a different depth than we were when we had, when we first, you know, met, you know? So it's like, there's definitely, we need have the right expectations for the maturity of whatever relationship, you know, like I would expect somebody I meet off the street to jump into a conversation like you and I have, you know, Mm -hmm. maybe a similar conversation to a certain degree, you know, but not, right. Not to that depth having that history and yeah i mean that comes back to the wisdom of the awareness in a conversation to know to know what the framework for the conversation is and the understanding of the relationship that's there and when it is time to kind of push things through a little bit more forcefully Mm -hmm. when it's time to sort of yield the podium as it were Um, yeah when it's time to sort of let some ideas pass by for a moment so that you can grab one as an entry point and deal with it and then maybe come back to the others. Do you I mean, feel like you have a translation pro- problem? <laughs> that's a good question. I, I mean, I would love to say no, but I don't think that's possible. I mean, I think we all yeah. have a translation problem. Yeah, I guess so. You know, yeah. I think it depends on it depends on the person that I'm I'm talking to, and I've certainly um, had some experiences in my life where I've suddenly realized that there was a translation problem, and have been pretty mm-hmm. pretty um, flattened by it. To be honest. Mm-hmm. Um. I don't know. I'll have to, that's, that's worth thinking about. <laughs> Bad question. <laughs> no, it's a, it's a great no, question. I, 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 yeah. Well, I mean, I, I mean, I'm curious, like, cause I, I, I'm, I that's something that I don't, I, I don't have any like real thoughts on, but that's something that has been interesting to me right now. And I'd, I'd be interested in like what your take is on that is <clears throat> I find that sometimes like, uh, I'm trying to put different thoughts and ideas into a context which I believe the other person will understand. And then I almost cheapen hmm. the thought itself. But however, I, I, and again, whether this is true or not, I don't know. But what if I, I, I feel like if I were to say it outright or use certain tropes like like we've been saying narrative a lot yeah. you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> trying to avoid it <laughs> and after a while it like it like kind of like loses its meaning and impact you know yeah so it's like okay that that word is not really helpful right now so how else can i how else can i engage this this thing that is on my mind maybe there's something there's something i'm not i'm not i'm not creatively being able to describe that will be helpful to move the conversation forward and not just get stuck where narrative means almost everything, <laughs> right. you know, right. cause you do start to kind of you almost use a word for like referring to a lot of different things. Well, that, that that's part of the, the reading the room and, and understanding the context and having, well, the word wisdom comes up again to my mind, but, mm-hmm. um, I think I would say that I 
believe that it's almost always better to just say things outright Mm -hmm. rather than to spend too much conscious effort on the encoding. Yeah. You know, I think, I think, I think that's really, I think that's really beautiful. But I mean, like I think where you and I both are, our strengths and our weaknesses are very similar, are very counter uh, uh, in uh, contrast of each other. Like, I feel like that's something I really admire about you mm-hmm. as far as like, I'm just going to say it the way that I can say it right now. Mm-hmm. And for me, I can't do that. Like, I want to say it in a way that you will understand it right. better. And it's not that one way is, is better than the other. Because like, because uh, I find like your engagement with me is like you're going to say it the way that you can say it right now, and then it 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 impacts me in a way that I can then engage something tangible, where I might dance around something too much to where it's not like I don't have the other person doesn't have anything to engage with, you know? Right? Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Kind of. Totally. Well, I mean, I think, he says it's good and bad, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that my hope, yeah, it totally, it does have its good and its bad. I mean, I, I, mm-hmm. I sometimes appreciate the sort of spongy, abstract way that you can play spongy. with ideas. <laughs> yeah, that is. It's, I mean, you know, it's like, I love it. <laughs> it's like, here it is. It's got a bunch of holes in it. And I can't talk about that part yet. I can kind of talk about this part. I mean, it's, it's, it's a great, um, it's a great construct for a good conversation. And, mm-hmm. and I think the way that I, I hope to approach a conversation is let me, like you said, let me say it the best way that I know that I can. Mm-hmm. And if we're going to have a good conversation by the end of the conversation, we will have come up with a better way to say it. Like yeah, that totally. will be the, that will be the fruit of the conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, it's different starting points, but I think the same end point from both of our point, uh, both of our totally. approaches. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Cause I, I, I find that very valuable, especially for some, I think maybe you and I like tend more strongly in both of those, <laughs> both of those places. Yeah. So that was like, it helps us get to that place even more, or I feel anyways, even more poignantly, you know, mm-hmm. just cause that is, uh, yeah. It's poignant on the shores, man. Poignant. <laughs> uh huh. Oh man. I've been, uh, I just keep coming back to the whole shores of ignorance thing. Like it's just, there's just so much packed into that concept and idea. It's just, it's just really, it's one of those uh, shorthand symbols that, yeah, that we can use that means a lot because we've approached it from a bunch of different directions, many different Mm -hmm. times over quite some time. Yeah. Um, oh, dude, that's a, that's a, that's a subject to dive into is, is the idea of symbol mm. and like how powerful that is. It's like difference between, uh, sort of, uh, descriptive language versus metaphor. And I'm gonna use a word that I'm slowly learning metonymic, which is sort of like, a um, transcendent language, mm. which is something that like metaphor is something is this and then trend, uh, meta metonymic language is something that is transcendent that is that is uh like this not is this language so like uh i mean a good example of that is sort of the difference between uh oh shoot i'm jumping away into a different subject here 
but the but the basic idea is sort of like like that rock is a god or a spirit or something like that to a transcendent monotheistic god which is outside or other you know to descriptive language which is more um like scientific type of type of language um I think I took us off of that. <laughs> That's really Way off of the thing. Yeah. <laughs> that is really interesting. Yeah. Well, let's pick that up. Uh, soon. Soon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that one's ready to be unpacked yet, yeah. but, but again, the symbol, I think that's uh, coming, coming back to uh, out of the, out of the weeds real quick is it's like having these symbols that you can kind of, that aren't so descriptive, but they're more, metaphoric or and symbolic that help you kind of see something that is beyond just the descriptive mm-hmm. uh, and the descriptive is something that you and I like we're engaging in right now trying to understand the symbols and to better explain them but the symbol still has so much more power because it has a a greater ability to go beyond just the descriptive, you know? Yeah. If that makes sense. I mean, it's fascinating. I mean, I, th- I think even, I'm not sure that we ever can fully get away from symbols. Like there is mm-hmm. nothing outside of symbol in, in, in some yeah. respect. It, it could be that any tendency to want to believe that there is anything other than symbols mm-hmm. is to some extent our, our, our psyche or our ego, revolting like a juvenile delinquent and, and <laughs> <laughs> saying, <That's badass. laughs> no, there is something outside that, but, mm-hmm. but at a very sort of atomic level there, mm. there almost isn't anything that you can break down that doesn't end up finally being a symbol at its core. Yeah. And again, a whole other subject, but this is the Ouroboros essentially, um, which is a concept that I can't fully expound on (laughs) in this episode. Oh Uh, man. Or maybe not even at all. I don't know. Um, but it's, it's interesting. Google it. (laughs) Google (laughs) Google it. (laughs) Man. Well, dude. Yeah. I think it's time we wrap this one. Shoot. Yeah, man. That was good. Yeah, definitely. I'm excited. Thanks everybody for listening. We've been, um, we always do this at the end of the podcast. We should do it at the beginning. Who knows how yeah. many people hear this <laughs> <laughs> all the way through. Yeah. <laughs> if you've made it this far, well, we've had a, we've had a conversation about, um, you know, we've kind of talked about diligence and consistency and, and even a little bit about sort of self promotion and, and, and mm-hmm. growth. And, um, we, we talked a little bit about a, a plan for how, we're, how we're going to, what is the word I want to use? Engage. How we're going to engage. I like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and so we've been pulling out uh, some of the ideas that we've been talking about and trying to put them in a, in a more sort of fixed place. Instagram has kind of been that for right now. Um, so we're, we're pulling out and even expanding some of these ideas and thoughts. And, and your poem that we started the episode with is something that, that came out of mm. that. And, and we posted up this morning. So all that being said, if you want to engage with us, um, and interact with us. That's where we are. Find us at shores of ignorance on Instagram. Um, we may expand into other networks someday, but 
I don't think I have the energy. Well, I mean, Spotify wants to give give us a hundred million dollar deal, so whatever. <laughs> I was like, if they gave Rogan a hundred mil, what, what would they give us? You know, ten thousand. Ten thousand. I was thinking maybe like a hundred. <laughs> oh yeah, totally. Yeah, totally worth it. That's <laughs> totally a conversation to have too. That's I, I was going to bring that up too, but that was not the spot. This right. Is not the. It's really fascinating anyway. though. Yeah. It's awesome. All right. Thanks everybody for listening. See you next time. Yeah. We'll see you. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>